Thank you for downloading the African History and Politics Seminar, presented by the University of Oxford's African Studies Center and the History Faculty. Thank you, John. Thank you for coming. I, I hope I won't disappoint you because I'm not going to get into the more, you know, fascinating aspect of the fetish, but more, uh, the paper is more about the intellectual idea of the fetish. Uh, and what I do in this paper is that I try to explore a lexical paradox. Uh, the fact that uh, the notion of the fetish has declined uh, among scholars of African religion and uh, see, uh, on the other hand, the fact that the fetish as a notion and as a, a word uh, continues to be used in the African vernacular at the grassroots in equatorial Africa today where I work. So my empirical point of departure is that studies of modern African, uh, modern African witchcraft today, in the wake of Peter Geshir's uh, groundbreaking book, Modernity of Witchcraft, which was published in English in 1997, obscure the existence of extensive vocabularies used in Africa to discuss spiritual agency, nefarious forces, and criminal attacks. Modern witchcraft is a paradigm, again, coined by Geshir, fails in particular to, to understand how and why many of these vernacular concepts in Africa today have been borrowed from the colonial lexicon. The, re the repertoire of the fetish, in French fetish, plays a considerable role in these conversations, a fact inadvertently confirmed by Geshir himself on the first page of the modernity of witchcraft. And I quote, uh, this little uh, passage in, in the first page of his book. I felt ill at ease in the dark, but this was apparently not the case for my assistant, Mickey. He suddenly explained with some excitement, oh, if Manduga was with us, we are like innocent kids, but she would see the witches that fly around here. She has a second sight. She can see what mischief they are plotting. Manduga was a woman of a neighboring village, who regularly visited us. She was also the greatest fetisher of an English fetish woman of the realm. And while Peter Geshir coins the concept of modern witchcraft to encapsulate a very large array of spiritual experiences and, 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 and thought, he never discusses what the term of fetish or fetisher. I Proposes, I propose, I'm sorry, that scholars of religion in Africa cannot understand concepts like witchcraft or fetish without becoming aware of their intellectual and lexical biographies. I'm not the only one, of course, to criticize some shortcomings <coughs> of uh, Peter Geshir's concept of modern witchcraft. Important critics, in particular Peter Pence, argued that this paradigm belongs to a long series of incontinent translations of African realities. Again, this is Peter Pence in a, in a series of articles about uh, witchcraft. That it reinforces the meta-narrative of modernity uh, and continues to exercise African social practice. But while these critics are based on the study of imperial thinking in the Western metropole, in other words, how imperial ideas of witchcraft are actually continuing to shape our description of local realities, uh, and they are also based on critiques on contemporary African parlance at the grassroots, they very seldom investigate the colonial life 
of these worlds. And besides the narrow field of African mission history and African Christianity, we know next to nothing on the ways in which colonialists use definitions and legal categories to describe local religion. <coughs> and we know even less on how local speakers redefine and appropriated these terms. <coughs> In this paper, what I want to do is first to look at the ways in which, by ignoring the colonial life of these terms, the paradigms and concepts that we use today carry many silent assumptions and many noisy prescriptions uh, on our approaches to African spiritual life. And second, I want to look at the trajectory of the lexicon of fetish and on witchcraft, and I will focus on just those two words, of course, the repertoire itself. On, uh, religion and spirituality is, is huge. Uh, and I will do that in two uh, colonies or ex-colonies in French Equatorial Africa, uh, Gabon and Congo, Brazzaville. Uh, and I will argue that local speakers were on the one hand able to defeat uh, some of the colonial views carried in those terms, but they were able to defeat those views only partially. And I'll explain why. So I'm going to start actually with uh, the conceptual displacement of the fetish in the West and the rise, which is actually a rise and, and decline and rise again, uh, of the uh, concept of the, the fetish and witchcraft. Now, thanks to William Pitts, uh, the American specialist of religion, we, we know very well how from the 15th century onwards, European traders, ambassadors, and missionaries to the west coast of Africa define local religions as the worship of fetishes. And the term itself of fetish is a creole term forged in the crucible of the African trading, the Atlantic, I'm sorry, trading economy. In 1705, the Dutch trader William Bosman coined the term fetishism. Uh, but the notion of fetishism itself would be theorized only 15 year, 50 years later, in 1757, by the French essayist Charles de Brosse. Fetishism proved central in the development of modern Western philosophies. And it was, of course, also instrumental in the imperial conquest of Africa in the 19th century, as it relegated African beliefs to the realm of the colonial exotic, to borrow from uh, Peter Pell's. After World War, World War I, however, the nascent discipline of anthropology started to replace the fetish and fetishism with new conceptual magmas such as traditional religions, magical religious beliefs, and witchcraft. And by the late 1930s, the fetish and fetishism had entirely left uh, the stage of social sciences for um, surviving only marginal usage in psychoanalysis uh, or psychoanalytic uh, studies, literary, literary studies, and Marxist studies, of course. Against the older notion that African beliefs in the power of the fetish were characterized only by arbitra arbitrariness and irrationality, which was the old concept of the fetish, Evans Pritchard and uh, the Manchester School analyzed witchcraft as a coherent religious system that regulated local societies and everyday conflicts. And uh, after Evans Pritchard's um, revival of the, of the concept of witchcraft, numerous studies follow suit, reaching a peak in the 1960s and 1970s with Mary, Mary Douglas, 
uh, John Middleton in the 19, early 1960s and uh, early 1970s. But in the 1970s, a growing number of scholars voiced concerns about the parochialism of the case studies used by the Manchester School. And they argue that which were too, too ethnocentric and abstract a notion to adequately translate religious techniques. The concept was then progressively abandoned to the benefit of specialized terms such as shamanism, possession, divination, healing, uh, and so on and so forth. But this pragmatic agenda that tried to keep closer to uh, local realities, if you want, or local vocabularies, precluded a bolder search for more inclusive theories of African religiosity. And the task of uh, re reviving witchcraft as such an overarching theory of modern African religiosity was taken up again by Peter Keshir in 1997. And the book, as you may know, uh, emphasizes emphasize the relationship between witchcraft and modernity and argues that uh, witchcraft is really grounded and, and part and parcel of uh, modernity in Africa. That it's not a remnant of older belief, but it's really part of the ways in which people interpret and invent uh, their own views on, on modernity and, and uh, spirituality. Now, Geshe acknowledges uh, the many issues in, in translating many different vernacular ideas by the moralizing terminology of witchcraft in French sorcery. And he, did, uh, he does provide a very careful and detailed analysis of vernacular idiom, uh, idioms for witchcraft. In Cameroon, Jambe, Evu, Nyongo, Famla, Coupe. So you have, you find all those. Uh, he explained the different meanings of all these uh, local words in, in Cameroon. But in the end, he justifies the choice of the English or French terms. The book was actually uh, first published in French in 19. Uh, 95. Of the French term of witchcraft, or the English term of witchcraft and French term of sorcery, because of the popularity and ubiquity of the term in Cameroon, in French, uh, in Cameroon today. What I'm going to do is uh, now discuss some of the consequences uh, I see in the very sweeping adoption of the modern witchcraft paradigm by scholars of Africa. And what I argue is that. This paradigm promotes an enduring and artificial opposition between Christianity on the one hand, or world religions, and local religions, or witchcraft, quote-unquote. And on the other hand, I argue that it perpetuates what Jack Goody a long time ago coined as a great rift, uh, or the normative idea that uh, Two separate categories exist between the religious and the political, and those are two different realms of action and of uh, thinking. Let's start first with the dichotomy. Uh, I think modern witchcraft uh, continues to really uh, enforce between Christianity and other forms of religiosity. Uh, I follow here Ruth Marshall, actually, who. Uh, who's a political scientist in Canada who writes on revivalist Pentecostal churches in Nigeria. And she articulates one of the sharpest critiques of modern religious studies' tendency to per perpetuate this uh, kind of ethnocentric contrast. 
She shows how scholars keep assuming an intractable exteriority between local strategies of recapture and response uh, and the various global forces that befall or redeem the continent, the African continent. And, and again, I think uh, that modern witchcraft encourages this dichotomic view of the religious landscape. If you look at the uh, scientific production today on African religion, you're going to see that most of the books or articles are more than ever divided after you know, 15 years now, uh, after Geshe's book was uh, published. It's divided either on studies either on non-Christian beliefs, now dominated by the explanatory model of uh, modern witchcraft, and Christian movement, now dominated mostly by studies of Pentecostal churches. And there's a clear, if silent, assumption that those Pentecostal churches and syncretic movements, uh, syncretic Christian movement, result from the blending of local uh, witchcraft belief and the global imports of world religions. And this, I think, really blinds us to the fact that modern religious faith can only be understood from the vantage point of their mutual constitution. Indeed, modern Christianity and Western technological reason have been constituted conjointly themselves with the figures of paganism invented by the colonial relationship. In other words, there's no pristine Christianity that exists on the one hand and other beliefs, uh, and they come together at some point. In fact, none of them exist without the relational articulation with other uh, faiths and other practices. One today needs only to think at the ways in which Pentecostal churches in Africa invest most of their energy in the diabolizing of fetishes, of traditional healers and, and uh, witches, to see how these movements are deeply embedded in and derive their legitimacy from the very enemies they define, confront, and seek to eliminate. Contrary to Ashin Bembe's hypothesis on the revenge of paganism, which is a hypothesis he, he uh, articulated in a book in 1988, this does not mean that African Christianity has been unable to break away from older belief, because you, know, you could explain this engagement of Pentecostal churches with you know, fetishes and, and traditional healers uh, with a sort of inability to, uh, again, um, differentiate or, or, or completely uh, eliminate older belief. Or, on the other hand, that Western Christianity became cannibalized by the African fetish. It means, to my mind at least, that there, there's no such thing as authentic or eternal Christianity or, or Islam or African paganism. But these theories and practices never existed, never emerged in a vacuum. Uh, that their definition and perception never occurred away from each other, whether in Africa, by the way, or in Europe. And there are very few exceptions uh, in the studies of, of Christianity that recognizes that, uh, that recognizes uh, many episodes, actually, in ancient history or in modern history, this mutual constitution. Uh, one of them, two of them, one is very well known and from a British scholar John Peel uh, in his uh, study of uh, Europa and the making of Europa and, uh, 
and Christianity in, in Nigeria, he explains how Christianity ca could, cannot really, the emergence of African Christianity in Yoruba land cannot be understood away uh, from Islam and, and from local religions. And the other one is Cynthia Holofaton in Kenya, uh, who wrote a book on uh, an independent movement. Um, and, and she also examines a very old combination between those different faiths. Uh, uh, but again, I think we have to acknowledge that the modernity, uh, the modern witchcraft par paradigm has done next to nothing in helping us understand uh, really the articulation of these different uh, traditions. Now, the second thing that I want to talk about is the ways in which modern witchcraft also um, perpetuates and enforces uh, the separation between the religious and the political, which is a, a very ethnocentric Western view of, uh, of uh, human activity and, and, and philosophies. <clears throat> Pentecostal studies, actually, who do a good job in, in, in uh, looking at the dichotomy between uh, world religions and, and local traditions. <coughs> they do not undermine, however, the view that in Africa the realm of, the rel of religious faith differs from the realm of political action. And mostly that not only those two should be separate, uh, but the relationship between them fundamentally differs from the West. So there's an idea that uh, on the one hand, you have religion, on the other hand, you have politics, and what happens between those two spheres in Africa is actually very specific to Africa and, and explained by, by you know, mostly an inability to desegregate those two uh, arenas. Now, um, I'll go back in time in a way to give you an example, a case study of how these views really uh, shaped and influenced French anthropologists and sociologists in the 1970s and actually uh, much more recently up to the 1990s. Very famous French sociologist at the time, Georges Ballandier, in his seminal book, Soci Sociology of Black Africa, published in French in 1955, provides a spectacular example of these views transferred to the African context. He looks in this book at two uh, West Equatorial African societies in the 1940s and 1950s, the Fon, in Gabon and the Bakongo in Congo Brazzaville. And Ballantier looks at messianic millenarist movements, syncretic movements that bring together Christianity and uh, local beliefs. And he looks at them as a cultural response to the crisis wrought by colonialism. For Ballantier, those movements serve to, on top of it, uh, not only to resist colonialism, but they also have a function in breaking down what he calls local patriotism uh, and encourage cross-clanic, cross-ethnic uh, imag imagination or a national imagination. Uh, and in a way promote, uh, of course, the beginning of nation building. So, you know, Again, the idea here is that local beliefs are seen as really embedded in, into a very localized signification or significance. And Christianity comes here in a way to, to allow those local beliefs to break uh, across uh, former, earlier uh, uh, social 
boundaries, if you want, and, and geographical boundaries. Not only that, but according to Ballandier, those spiritual initiatives are a form of religious escapism. They are only a moment of tactical formalism uh, that will soon, according to Ballandier, transform into sacred nationalism. In other words, religion here is just a forefront of building again a secure, secularized sense of national belonging. Um, and he concludes his book, in a, in a, in a, which I find really ironic, because the book is fairly critical, actually. I mean, it, it praises those messianic movements, that prophetic movement, that center. It really calls for the, in French, it's a, the dépassement. I don't even know how to say that. In English. You know, going beyond, actually, this moment of, of resistance to colonialism. But the, the book really adopts a very prophetic stance and style. Uh, and so he concludes the book in his way. The messianic movement of Africa have, movements of Africa have tremendous possibilities. The plane on which they exist may be essentially religious. However, their significance is unmistakable. They betoken the awakening of the people that sees themselves having neither past or future, that reacts against the slurs upon its dignity. They express a passionate desire for change. And because they assert the universal nature of human dignity, they represent a step towards universality. So here you have, I think, silently, this, or the subtext here is that Christianity is a, is a sort of a universal form of political language, if you want, that, that brings people together in this sort of politically productive uh, way of thinking about themselves. Now, this kind of Functionalism, you know, it's very heavily tempted, of course, by Weber and by you know, modernization theory, really endured in France well into the 1990s. And it started to decline and to be criticized precisely by the rise, or at the same time, uh, Pentecostal studies rose to the, uh, to the forefront. Uh, but what I see happening is that studies of African religiosity, of course, stopped uh, from you know, fixing the gaze, if you want, on the advent of the nation state. Uh, and, and the concern shifted more and are shifting today towards something that's a you know, very hot, fashionable topic, which I do find actually fairly archaic, uh, and I, I'll explain why. And this new topic is focuses not on the nation state, but on the agency of free individual agents, uh, supposedly embracing the global circulation of commodities and ideas. This is very much what Birgit Meyer and Peter Geschiner do, uh, and, and some other uh, after them. And you know, historical reasons for that are not very hard to, to find. Three decades after independence, hopes in the building of a secular, functional, modern, secular nation in Africa uh, is more or less bankrupt. While academic investment in the Foucault, Foucault so I, I, I used to say Foucauldian, uh, but Michel Foucault's idea, let's say, of the invention of the self has risen exponentially. Yet, I think that the emergence of this explanatory framework of the self-fashioning of uh, subjects, you know, the subjects that, uh, again, uh, uses a number of, of technologies and ideas to uh, invent itself, himself or herself, 
remains actually infused with some kind of functionalism and also this dichotomy between the local and the global. For instance, when it narrows down the meaning of global Pentecostal churches in Africa to countries through which individuals can access international networks and ideas and exercise multi-layered cosmopolitanism, which is, again, an angle from which many scholars look at Pentecostal churches. So they don't look at Pentecostal churches as a form of regressive spirituality, but they look at them almost as sort of enterprises of modernity. Of, you know, these networks that put people in contact with other churches and parishes all over the world, right? Uh, where people train in capitalistic consumerism and claim control over political action. This is what Ruth Marshall, what Ruth Marshall does in her 2009 book on Pentecostal churches in Nigeria. She claims that those Pentecostal churches should be looked at as uh, political spiritualities. They are a, a stage and an idea for political action. But I think when expectation, when modern, when academic expectation of modernity hail the individual agent as an interface between local culture or in the new politically correct vocabulary, local history and modern global network, I think they recycle, in fact, fairly antiquated tales of local progress driven by global modern forces. I will conclude here by uh, saying that by replacing the fetish idea with a modern witchcraft paradigm, scholars of Africa distance themselves from the obvious racist model, of course, of, of the fetish and the colonial pro prejudice uh, in the word fetish. But I think they only got rid of what they were already aware of, which is the ethnocentric undertone of this notion. But they still carry a, a powerful and inhibiting dialectic of failure. Uh, first of all, by uh, enforcing the presumption that religion is, religion is a regressive form of politics. Second, the prescription that the two should separate politics and religion on uh, two different planes. And thirdly, uh, by enforcing the conviction, the conviction that African institutions and African states cannot but fail in meeting that prescription of the separation between the religious and the political. I turn now to the life of the fetish concept and vocab vocabulary uh, in the colonies to show how these scholars, these scholarly views and uh, modern form of religiosity in Africa carry on these subtle uh, but very self-defeating legacies uh, on the ground. So, uh, I explained how Peter Geshir, again, uh, argues that witchcraft is really uh, one of the dominant vernacular idioms for uh, talking about uh, mystical and spiritual uh, agency in Cameroon. But as I, I, I mentioned, he fails to pay attention to uh, other Western words and concepts borrowed from uh, colonial phraseology in French and in English. South of Cameroon, where I work in Gabon and in Congo, ordinary people who employ French words to talk about misfortune, misfortune and spiritual agency do not always lump together 
speculative concerns in the single conversational term of sorcery, sorcery French in, in English. They rely on pluralistic lexicons forged in multiple contexts, including the racist and prejudiced Western concepts dating from the colonial era. Among these French locutions, some are fairly direct translations of local terms about mystical harm and healing, like manger, to eat, which is a way of talking about mystical harm and the absorption of one's life force by, by mystical, mystical attack, uh, or guérisseurs, or healers. Some constitute a more composite terminology marked by colonial prejudice, such as charlatan, charlatans, is, is, you know, it's a completely devoid, actually, of negative connotation, but it's used for healers, uh, and, of course, fetish, or uh, sorcier, sorcerers. But those speakers also fabricate new expressions from an indigenized stock of French literary and biomedical locution, locutions, such as the very bad heart of the devil, uh, in French, the très mauvais cœur du diable, which is a way of talking about witchcraft action. They talk also about le ventre, the belly, or the belly womb, which is again using a French word, which is not really a direct translation, but really an aggregation of, of different ideas. They also delight actually in using French words relating to sexuality and material exchange and commodities to express witchcraft business. For instance, la chose, which in English can be translated as the thing. <coughs> the thing, la chose, is really when somebody says that it's about witchcraft. They also talk about les affaires, bad business, and everybody knows that you are talking about witchcraft. Uh, and les affaires also means actually an affair in the sense of a sexual relationship or a sentimental relationship uh, with somebody. Now, I will only concentrate on two of these words, fetish and witchcraft, uh, to uh, understand the possible origin of those words and their reappropriation by local speakers. Uh, and what I want to say briefly, and I'll try to jump over that because it's just uh, uh, something to explain that actually witchcraft was never the dominant term used by French colonialists in Gabon and Congo to talk about local uh, African religious behavior and belief. Uh, to the contrary, French colonialists or missionaries Uh, civil servants, administrators, or private colonialists uh, favor the old notion of fetishism and fetish, theorized by you know, Enlightenment uh, philosophers. And, and this provides them with an emasculating theory that, again, uh, disempowered the idea of a local religion. You know, it was just seen as a medley of superstition with no sort of you know, logic or rational kind of uh, philosophy. Uh, and even missionaries, actually, especially Catholic missionaries, avoided to use the witchcraft repertoire. Uh, and you can explain that very well, because uh, they refrain, in fact, from talking about African beliefs by fusing those beliefs into the unitary figure of the devil. Because in a way, if you do that, you risk acknowledging the force and legitimacy 
of African cosmology. It's said in a way, uh, you transform what is mostly from the view of Catholic missionaries at the time, a more almost technical and civilizational attack on African belief uh, to a more a form of almost religious warfare. So they were not talking about heresy here and witchcraft and, and the devil. They were talking about fetishism, about superstitions that would very quickly disappear uh, and that would be defeated, actually, not only by Catholicism, but also by simply science and, and reason. Uh, for... Um, I'm sorry, I had a, a quote to, to show you that. Yeah, the, the Catholic uh, bishop uh, in 1925 in Gabon uh, compared magic and fetishism to modern science, to, uh, to all science. And he said, magic is to religion what fake money is to real currency, a perversion of science and of religion. So the Catholic missionary frames their action uh, as a modernizing victory of the higher God, a God scientifically and techni technically stronger uh, than local divinities. And uh, I'll, I'll jump over that again, and I'll be happy to answer the question, but if you look at Protestant missionaries, and even the first Pentecostal uh, forays in Gabon, which are very early on, in the 1935, uh, two uh, Swiss missionaries. They almost never use the term witchcraft. They use the Holy Spirit, uh, but they use the Holy Spirit in terms of, of strugglings against fetishism and superstition, not against uh, witchcraft. Now, when French administrators use fetishism, uh, fetishism took a very particular meaning in the colony and in the colonial context, and its meaning really diverged from the older notion of, of fetishism prior to the colonial context, uh, so one that was forged in the crucible of the uh, Atlantic trade. Fetishism was used to criticize uh, the tyrannical authority of local leaders and the superstitious obedience of their subjects. And in other words, Fetishism was not so much used in, as a religious, again, uh, theory, but it became almost an equivalent for the political limit of the native. Uh, and I call this, in, in an article that I wrote about that, uh, a colonial imaginary of infra-politics. In other words, the French never thought that Africans could never have a functional and rational political uh, connection or, or behavior. So politics were always um, based on, on an, an utterly um, toxic or dysfunctional relation between, again, very authoritative figures and very obedient and submissive figure. And fetish, fetishism was, in fact, the, the logic that, that uh, was uh, connecting these, these two. Uh, realities. And I will give you an example of that, how pervasive this thinking was. You know, it's very easy to find examples of that in the 1910s, in the 1920s, in the 1930s. What, what's really striking is that the vocabulary of fetishism, as 
petition about defining the political relationship of African natives right at the time, uh, continued in the 1940s and 1950s. After World War II, the French actually legalized African political parties in Gabon and Congo, and they granted some electoral rights to a minority of Africans. And in an extraordinary moment of lexical violence, French colonialists described the activities of the emerging political parties by refashioning the, the repertoire of the fetish and combining it with that of sectarianism in a newly minted term, monofetishistic sex. In 1950, the governor of Gabon explained, for instance, that, and I open the quote, one notes an upsurge, not of fetishism, but of secret societies. I think this can be interpreted as a new form of fetishism with tighter liaisons than before with pan-African movements, but still with the use of sorcerers. Watchtower, Jehovah Witnesses, RDA, Rassemblement Démocratique Africain, in Gabon, Maswanism, the Salvation Army, and the Socialist Party in the North. So they really describe those parties as mono-fetishism, and sets. And I, I do think uh, that 50 years after independence, the colonial paradigm of infrapolitics as archaic forms of indigenous politics still informs, again, fairly silently, uh, academic studies. Now, I will uh, turn to finish on the ways in which Gabonese and Congolese speakers, to my mind, uh, largely appropriated the French colonial repertoire of the fetish, and to some extent internalize its derogatory and incapacitating undertones, and that it also managed to some extent to uh, fight uh, against those uh, uh, views, at, at, uh, to some extent at least. <clears throat> I let aside, I just leave aside the source of the values and the source of the It's much more difficult actually to trace how a vocabulary comes to be, you know, used by speakers because you can have written texts, but those written texts are very, very few. Some of them are, are you know, Western educated elites who are, some of the sources that I found uh, are actually in a cultural journal sponsored by the French government when you have these Western educated writers who says, for instance, uh, that uh, first of all, they use fetish, they don't use witchcraft, and they apply an extraordinary normative energy to criticize traditional religion. Uh, as enemies of their own class. I mean, it's logical in a way, you know, people who, are, who use uh, traditional spiritual agency are not the new Western uh, educated elites, but, uh, you know, traditional chiefs and so on. So, for instance, a piece published in 1950 by a Congolese teacher who was the leader of the local socialist party uh, and would become uh, a minister later on uh, in the first government of the Congo, uh, is very typical of that. Fetishism is a very bad practice, a repulsive legacy, just as magic of which there's a mere, it is a mere affiliate. The fetisher, fetishman, in the Congo pretends to have the power to cure or to kill, we know this, but the capital question is to know why this practice still endures and how it will 
uh, disappear. In the Congo, fetishism increasingly declines the benefit of civilization. I mean, this could be written by a French administrator. Uh, some articles in this particular journal called Liaison did defend fetishism, but they did so as a cultural patrimony, uh, rather than a cultural theory of political capacity. And in doing that, they encouraged, in fact, the folklorization of indigenous philosophies, and at the same time articulated the notion of the crisis of traditions, which is a, a a very uh, ubiquitous discourse in French, uh, white colonial discourse, and this is very much borrowed from the colonial repertoire. And the legacy of this very painful contradiction can still be felt in Congo and in Gabon today, uh, when politicians, for instance, scorn fetish fetishistic practices, yet cannot deflect public mistrust. So, people still continue to denounce and yet to suspect that political action is in fact driven by fetishistic, to use the terms that people you know, speak today, by fetishistic practices. So uh, I see in it really the legacy of this imagine, imagination of infrapolitics or the enduring prescription that public authority must be purified from occult spiritualist agency. Uh, here is, a, is an example taken from hundreds of quotes in the local press uh, and radio. Defending himself against suspicions that he belongs to secret societies or set, by the way, the genealogy of this term, secret society, is a fascinating one because it's really invented by colonizers and then reappropriated by uh, local speakers. The warrior is a candidate, shot back. I'm not a member of any secret society. All, all that is fetishism is repellent to me. And as you see, people are not talking so much about witchcraft. They talk about fetishism when they talk about older, supposedly older, uh, spiritual agency. Now, local speakers did actually uh, manage to some extent, fight against the legacy of this very uh, alienating and incapacitating vocabulary of fetishism, and they did so by reappropriating witchcraft, which remained very rare again in the white colonial discourse, and bringing it together with the devil to actually uh, construct the devil and witchcraft as a figure of ultimate, ultimate evil and maximum power. African independent churches and charismatic movements, in a way, uh, are seeking to solve, I don't know if they do that, but that's where I read what they're doing, you know, and, and it is, of course, it doesn't exhaust what they're doing and their significance, but I think to some extent they solve the colonial contradiction of this deadly dialectic that I was talking about, that you have to separate religion and politics, but in Africa you can never do that. And so it, it is you know, predicament of, <coughs> of um, this prescription and the failure of doing it. Throughout a, a series of productive, productive aggregations, the devil encompassed and bridged grassroots experiences of misfortune and, and affliction, creating a very fluid pantheon of evil agents. Uh, deriving power from the capital of traditional religions 
and in particular the destructive agency of which substance, which is really seen as an organic substance, it's both organic and immaterial substance that people have in their body and explain why some people are more powerful and more knowledgeable uh, and able really to use this agency to, to hurt or to harm or to heal. Uh, and they use that also by combining these uh, older ideas of, of agency with modern political power, modern form of political agency. Um, this pantheon of evil forces, uh, and those evil forces are embodies in specific figures such as the Virgin Mary, God, Mami Wata, academics, scientists, priests, doctors, Satan, the devil, vampires, fetishers, all those figures uh, are seen as very dangerous but also very powerful. And, and they are seen as, as extremely ambivalent, either you know, able to do harm or to do good. And uh, those figures really concentrate and magnify the agency of the spiritual uh, again, again, combining modern power and uh, older notions of capacity and, and misfortune. And you can trace that in the 1950s uh, through some writing. And, and I have one written by a student at uh, the Ecole de la France Outre-mer, which was actually a, a school in Paris that was uh, training civil servants, and it, it slowly opened to African students. Uh, so the text dates from 1959, and he defines Satan, or the king of evil, as Prince Evus. And Evus is the name of the witch substance in, in form. Um, and so he goes on explaining that any man possessed by Prince Evus is a sorcerer. So you see the, this articulation between the repertoire of witchcraft, Satan, and this older notion of power. Uh, and that fetishes, in turn, are simply the tangible manifestations of the power of Evus, of this witch substance. So, um, behind this uh, reappropriation of, of witchcraft, which was not again uh, really uh, uh, used by colonialists, but reappropriated on the side almost, uh, by uh, African speakers, uh, we see, you know, uh, 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 an attempt at least uh, to get away from this contradiction uh, established by the regime of the colonial fetish. And yet, in this discourse uh, that you will find also very much in pan Pentecostal churches, uh, in the, you know, this staging of the battle between the Holy Spirit and the devil, and the devil is very much. Uh, an equivalent of fetishes and traditional healers and the older uh, religion. You see the continued influence still of the colonial imagination of the fetish. Um, for instance, in this civil servant's world, in this text dating from 1959, uh, only the total extermination of witchcraft complete with the destruction of witches and their fetishes, we tame, we tame the devil and we bring back the demographic revival, the liberty and happiness of the black race, uh, end of quote. So in this new cosmology, 
the power of ritual specialists, which used to be ambivalent. It, was, it used to be, you know, channeling those forces either for good or evil, is now lumped together uh, in the single French locution or term of sorcerers, of sorcery, and they are lumped together in the realm, realm of evil as a defeated power, powers of the past. So in conclusion, I, I think that uh, this lexical and conceptual regime that I call the, the imagination of infra-politics not only posits that the advent of modernity in Africa is predicated on the separating of the political and the religious, but also that the re relation between those two realms of actions is in Africa and will always be an unshakable and vastly toxic one. To challenge these prescriptions, I think we need first to break away from culturalist explanations of African spiritual beliefs and political practice. And we need to critically examine the ethnocentric uh, beliefs that religions and political work as discrete spheres of action. And this is not easy task, of course, because the face in this separation is entangled uh, in academic discourse, in particular in the opposition between faith and reason, between scientific knowledge uh, and belief, which is really the precondition for scientific uh, research. Yet I think only by assuming, rather than criticizing, the consubstantiality between the political and the religious, in equatorial Africa, and by looking at witchcraft as a theory of power, not as a particular form of religious belief. Maybe we will be able to delineate the transformation over time of how people engage in, uh, with ideas and mobilize practical tactics to invent their own life away from uh, this horizon of failure predicated by uh, the colonial imagination of the fetish and infra politics that I uh, try to destroy. Okay.